0: how busy are you? How busy are you? Here's what I want to do. We're going to take uh, just just like 30 seconds, well, 30 seconds apiece. Let's say 60 seconds. And we're going to do that thing that every introvert in the room hates, okay? So take a second, turn to somebody that you, hopefully somebody is around you that you haven't met or you at least don't know their name. Tell them your name and then tell them something that you would do if you weren't just too busy for it, okay? Can you do that for me? So 60 seconds, say hello to somebody, Okay, if you need to stand up, stand up, that's great. Something you'd do if you just weren't so busy. <laughs> What'd you get? Anybody get uh, any vacation? i take a vacation, but I'm too busy. Anybody? Yeah, uh, maybe join a, join, I'd exercise. That probably, that had to be a lot of people, right? i exercise. No? <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's the excuse I keep using. Um, but how busy are you? S- social science research has noticed some, some trends, okay? Has noticed some trends with American people. Um, so interestingly enough, people were surveyed recently, and, and every one of these things I'm about to list off are things that more than one in four people say that they have skipped, okay, because they're too busy. Some of them will be all too familiar. Okay? But this is more than one in four people. It's all over the map on, on the numbers, but I didn't want to throw a bunch of numbers. So this is at least one out of every four Americans has skipped a meal because they were too busy. I can relate. Sure. Okay. Um, skipped a shower. Okay. Some, some are all too welcome to say or all too, too, uh, too quick to say, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Um, vacation. Like People have scheduled vacations. And they skipped them because they got too busy. Okay. They've skipped paying the bills because they got too busy. They skipped picking up prescription medication, because they were too busy. Okay? They skipped intercourse, because they were too busy. Okay? These are things that we skip, because we just get too busy. Okay? We get too busy. Something else has happened. Okay? Something else happened. In all this, all this research on Americans and busyness, um, something's been recognized. About a century ago, about a century ago, Um, Social status in America, most Americans identified social status by how much leisure time an individual had, all right? So, So social status around in the early part of the 20th century, someone's social status was determined by how much time they had to do sort of whatever they wanted to do, all right? An interesting thing has happened, and as you can guess, in the last 100 years, it's been reversed now. Most Americans identify social status. They're they more likely to say that's a person of status, dependent upon how busy that person is. All right? It's had an impact on us. It's had an impact on us. It, it, busyness has almost become the new like, badge of honor, the, 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 new, um, the new sort of scale of success. And so, another thing that researchers are finding. This is fascinating as well. They're finding that people are over-reporting how much they work by as much as 30 to 35%. Right? So people are saying that I'm, work- oh, I'm working more than 50 hours a week. And when it comes down to it, they're really working more like 35. Okay? Okay? I know, I know, some of us are chuckling, right? But this is, this is what they're finding over and over again, that people are over-reporting. Even those who are working 50 are saying, I'm working 60. All right? There seems to be this sense about us that busyness is a a virtue. We can can go back to any number of maybe historical indicators um, as to why that might be the case. But but it seems to be the case that busyness has become a virtue. Um, I like to talk about my own busyness. I'm a busy guy. I like to talk about my own busyness. And if I'm being honest, I talk about my own busyness a lot of the time as a way of sort of putting up a quick barrier to say, don't ask me for anything. I can't carry anymore. Right? That's one reason. I also just sort of like, I think I stay busy. If I'm being honest with myself, I think I, I stay busy because I, I like the sense of control that it gives me. I don't want to have things that are out of control. And so if I can keep my life scheduled and arranged and I can fill time, I have some sense of control over my life. Maybe that's just me. Okay. There's a lot of books on this, but let's be honest, we're too busy to read them. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you noticed, noticed this too. Um, something that's happened, and maybe it's been going on longer than I remember, but I've started to notice in certain places that I, where I get my news from, that, that when I'm looking at those, at those places... It's starting to tell me when I look at an article in the headline and you're selecting that one article, it's starting to tell me how long I should expect it to take me to read. Have you noticed this? This is a five minute. Maybe. Okay? This one's 20 minutes. Forget it. Okay? Forget it. I'll try and read that before I go to bed and fall asleep, you know, three minutes in. Okay. We we we've sort of accepted this climate. We've sort of accepted this climate. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to share this too, as this is something that's pertinent for me, and I know it's pertinent for a lot of us in the room. Even as parents, right, we've, we've sort of passed this down. We've, we've, we've started to sort of pass down our busyness generationally. Um, do you know that the, the two uh, top reasons that people give for not having more children, I don't have enough money, and I don't have enough time. So we, we've stopped building families, Right? So so we, we've passed it, but, we, but when we do have kids, we've sort of passed it down in a way to say, like, it, it, they have to be as busy as I am, and, and somehow the busyness of my child is some sort of indicator of my success as a parent. If I can keep my child in multiple activities, somehow I'm, I'm, I'm winning as a parent. I'm succeeding. And there's something perverse in my own thinking about this, right? We, we just have this tendency... But it's coming at a great cost, right? It, it's, it's coming at a great cost. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that all of our busyness has affected our family life, just to start there. It's affected our relationships. You saw it in the drama, and the drama speaks to us in, in, for several reasons. But, but one of them is that it's, it's awfully close to home for many of us. In reality, of course, it's a dramatized version of conversations that we have on a regular basis. We're, we're just, I just, I don't have enough rope left <laughs> to do one more thing, and the reaction that you'll probably get from me when I have to do one more thing is going to come from a place that I wish weren't true about me. It's going to come from a dark place in me. It's impacting our family life. It's impacting our family life. It's impacting our mental health, all the anxiety that comes with the constant busyness the, 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 the incidences of, of, of panic attacks, the pressure that we feel to constantly be performing. It has impact on physical health. ton of research on the, the impact of not getting enough sleep, leading car- causes of heart disease. Okay? It's, it's impacting us. And we're going to talk today even about our spiritual health. It's impacting us spiritually our busyness. Now, I need to pause at this point and say this. And um, in, 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 in all sincerity, I, I need to share up front that I'm, I'm speaking on this topic to you this morning as a person who's speaking to you from a deficit on this. I, to, to say that I don't have this mastered is a gross exaggeration of not having something mastered. Okay? Just now... The, the chaos that's sort of circling my family life, okay, where we, we, have, we have one at home who's sick, okay, and just that wrinkle has thrown the, today and even really tomorrow into such chaos where we, we're not even sure, like, where we're going to go <laughs> over the next 48 hours because everything in life is so just pressure-packed in our busyness. So when you hear me speak this morning, keep, please keep that in mind. I'm, if, if, I, if it feels like I'm coming after you, I may be a little bit, okay? But I'm coming after you from a place of, of, in my soul, I know that this is true of us. I know that this is true of us. And we tell ourselves lies to try to overcome the fact that we are just far too busy. We're far too busy. So the series is called Pace Yourself. And today we're going to ask this question, have you thought about your capacity? All right, today is going to be a little bit about just reflection. Right? Then over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about specific areas of our life where we have capacity. We have, we have capacities for certain things. And what do we do with those capacities? We'll talk about work and rest. We'll talk about entertainment and play. We're going to talk about our, our capacities with our finances and the way that finances drive our, our busyness and our ability or inability to do the things that God may be leading us to do. Okay? But today we're just going to talk about this idea of capacity and try to, try to reflect on, on what is it that God's given us. And if you've got a Bible, would you turn to the book of Ecclesiastes? This is, it's a classic passage on this subject, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you don't know Ecclesiastes, if you kind of go to the center of your Bible, Psalms, and go a few books to the right, um, if you're scrolling, just look for the big one, Ecclesiastes, okay? okay? About halfway through the Old Testament. And the book of Ecclesiastes is... is um, it's commonly, uh, traditionally attributed to to King Solomon. He may or may not have been the author of it, no matter who the author was. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes was someone of means. They 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 had, when we talk about capacity, they had great capacity. By and large, due to the fact that they were in all likelihood wealthy and powerful. So they could use whatever resources that were available to them to do whatever they wanted to do. And the book of Ecclesiastes is sort of like the memoirs of someone who sought the meaning of life and in every avenue they tried to pursue, because they had the capacity to pursue it, they didn't have to stop and tend to other matters. They could try and find meaning, all right? And so the book of Ecclesiastes reflects on it, and it's, it, can, it can get dark at times, all right? There's a phrase that's repeated over and over again. It's, it's, in some translations, it's vanity or it's emptiness, all right? where the conclusion that's drawn from, from the author of Ecclesiastes is this idea that life is pointless. Okay? It's real uplifting. Okay? If, you're, if, you're, if you're having a bad day, go here. Okay? It'll take you deeper. It can get worse. All right? but, but, they, but, but the book of Ecclesiastes wrestles with some, some realities and, it's, and some, some hard realities. It wrestles with the reality that good people and bad people, they all sort of wind up dead at the end of their life. Like, it doesn't matter, okay? It, it, it wrestles with the fact that, that good people and bad people, sometimes the good people are really rich, and they seem to have everything they want. And the, did I say that right? The bad, pe- bad people have all the stuff they want, and the good people are over here struggling for their next meal. And the author of Ecclesiastes says, I see this, and I don't know what to do with it, and I'm wrestling with it. It deals with a lot of the monotony of life. It says, you know, the sun comes up and the sun comes down. The rains fall and rush to the sea, and the water comes back, and away we go. And over and over and over and over again it happens. And this is sort of the the broad picture of the book of Ecclesiastes. But there's a section of Ecclesiastes that we know really well, thanks to the birds, right? The band, okay? It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and it says this. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. He says this, what do workers gain from their toil or from their work? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Right? The author of Ecclesiastes steps into this, this thing that we sort of recognize. All right? That we sort of recognize. We recognize that life is full of all of these different moments. And we kind of hold them side by side. There's moments of joy and moments of mourning. There's, there's moments where, where we have lots and there's moments where we have very little. There's, there's moments where we're building and we're, 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 set, we're on a mission that's important and, and everything in life seems to be, be of the utmost significance. And then there's times in life that just seem to be trivial, okay? But the author of Ecclesiastes sort of also recognizes this, that, that it's not like some of those are God's time and some of them are not. And this is the reality we want to start with this morning, okay? This is reality we want to start with this morning. What the author of Ecclesiastes is rightly recognizing is this truth. All time is God's time. All time is God's time. It's all his. The very first words of the scriptures give us a clue to this, right? In the beginning, God. You see, all of what we call time, whenever it was, whatever came next, whatever existed before it, There was a moment where it all began. God's the creator of time. He's the sustainer of it. He's the owner of it. And so the author of Ecclesiastes goes on to say this. There's a time for all of this stuff. Everything is happening and it's moving and it's shaking and and we experience all of it. Life is full of all of these things. But he makes this point when he, he comes to us and he says that, but it's all God's gift. It's all God's gift. Everything is beautiful in its own time. All of those things, even the good, the ones that we would call good and the ones we would call bad are beautiful in their own time. They're all beautiful in their own time. They're all from God. He set this this paradox within us in that eternity, we are eternal. We we long for for time to, to move forward and to go on forever and to sort of escape the monotony and the routine. But we live in the present tense. We live in the now. And so he's put eternity in our hearts, but he's also placed us in a particular time to live and to know him. And he says that that the best thing is for these rhythms of life. These rhythms of life. It's best when these rhythms of life are embraced in a way that allows us to find satisfaction in God's work and in what he's doing. This is... This is the, the the message here that this author of Ecclesiastes is giving us. So I want to I'd like to make an illustration for you. And to talk about capacity, I'm sorry it, I misspelled as cap city earlier, and all I could think about was meatloaf. So, um, <laughs> meatloaf and pie. Um, so, but but I want to make an illustration for you that I, I hope will help. Okay, as with all illustrations, if it doesn't, forget I ever said it. Okay, but but I think it's going to help. Okay. Um, if you would imagine that this gift bag, very simple, plain white gift bag, is like your capacity, it's the average capacity. Okay, so so in this gift bag, okay, in this in this bag, there you have um, the opportunity to sort of place things, and there's there's stuff that's in in the bag, and 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 this ball could represent anything. Okay, it could represent anything you want it to, but but this is this is a big one. Okay. So, so we kind of start life with, with a capacity, a capacity for, for just, just how much we can do with what God's given us. And of course, it involves time, but it also involves, involves our energy, it involves our gifts and talents, it involves the, the resources that God gives us in the world. And so we have this capacity, and, and, and we have something that, that, that requires energy from us, or it requires some of our capacity, and so it kind of... It, it takes up some of our capacity, right? And, and the beautiful thing, and we sort of long for this, we long for the days when life was simple, right? Where we had sort of like one thing, and it, it was the, like our one responsibility, and it occupied a lot of our capacity, but we could focus. And I'm talking to you, young people. A lot of your parents look at you, and they go like, you have it so simple. You have so very few things. Oh, you might have like a sport you play, Okay? You might have some friends that you need to take care of. You might, you know, play an instrument, okay? <laughs> and not, to, not to minimize, that's all important stuff, right? But, but it, it sort of goes into our, our bag and we can carry it, right? Like, it's, we can hold it. Now, there's, again, I mentioned this at the outset, parents, we have got to be careful with what we're doing to our kids, Right? Because then we take some other large object and we go, yeah, you have school and whatnot, but you also have this other big thing that I'm going to put in there that you have to do. It's, I'll pick on it. My son plays one of these, so it's travel sports, right? Okay, or it's it's the chamber. It's some great opportunity that my special child is going to get because of their abilities that obviously are genetic. Okay, so it's got to go in the bag. But then what starts to happen, right? There's all these other things. And we start to fill up this bag with other stuff. We have all these other things that that take our attention. And they start to, to require some of that capacity. You following me? It's still only half full though, right? But time goes by. And we get, this one's, this is a dark ball, right? We get a job, okay? <laughs> all right. And then we have taxes. And, but, but do you see what happens to us? And this is, we've said, we have a capacity and we've said yes to all of these things at some point. And, the, and here's the thing too, I'm not even going to judge necessarily right now everything that's in there. You can take out any one item from your capacity and hold it up and go, but look at how good it is and important that it is. I do it all the time. I can't drop that. I can't drop that. That's too important. There's, there's too many people that need, that need me in, in that, right? So we start to do this, and the next thing you know, we look at our bag and we go, oh, no, because... All this stuff is falling everywhere, and people are counting on me, but I I don't have any more room, okay? I don't have any more room. And so we start to negotiate a little bit, right? We negotiate. And maybe the first thing we do is we come in here and we pull out a couple, and we go, well, I'm going to take these and I'm going to downsize them, dropped it, to like a little guy. Now I've got a little more room i got a few more hours a week, okay? But we also start to say, uh, I've made kind of a big mess. It's a Good thing it's work day around here. I've made kind of a big mess, and I've, I've got to make room for this stuff. And so sometimes we take like a big one, right? And we start to do this transaction. Maybe this is family, And we go, I'm going to, just for right now, I'm not going to let you go anywhere, but I'm going to put you right here. You're still important to me. But for right now, you're downsizing just a little bit. I'll get back to you. You're still important. I'm going to put you right there. Okay? Or we say, man, whew, this is not working for me. All right? So I'm just getting rid of that. Okay, or some of us say like no 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 you can't do oh it went it went too far okay you can't do that okay and we start to feel this pressure pressure it's got to go it's got to go back in the bag hold on I've got to take it I got to put it back in the bag and I realize like what I I felt guilty because this I wasn't doing this right so I got rid of this but now I can't take care of this because I got rid of this. <sighs> So I'm gonna go in here. Okay. Now I'm gonna pick on you. (laughs) Get ready. So I start to take something that's important, something that that maybe has been in my bag a long time. I'm gonna. I've got. I'm I'm just gonna say it. Like a lot of us, we start to take, we start to take the things of God. We start to take church. We start to take Christian community, and we go. Again, I know you're important. I know you're important, but I have to do this, and I can't not do this, and there's all these other things in here that I'm just not going to get rid of. Right? And so we find something that's measured, like, that's. we go, this is about right. We go, in you go. Okay? I'm not going gonna- to serve... I'm not going to engage at the level of my heart because I just don't have the capacity to do it. See, we start to negotiate. We start to make, do these transactions. Okay? Now, here's the truth, too. Okay? And it's a fact. Okay? It's a fact. Some of us, we have more capacity. I recognize that. Okay? Some of us have more capacity. If you're that person, God bless you, okay? But you're like one in a million, okay? And what we start to do is we start to compare ourselves, don't we? We start to compare ourselves, and we go, but I look at this person, and if they can do it, they can't possibly be better than me. But every time I try to take their capacity and keep it all together, I wind up, overloaded and stuff falls out everywhere and someone else has to clean up my messes. And potentially, eventually, we wind up just doing what? I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to take, I need to, I need to recharge my batteries. Okay? Okay? I need to make sure that my needs are met. You follow? Boy, have I been there. And boy, is that a constant temptation for me. Rather than trying to to be honest about my capacity, because here's the thing too, if I'm being honest, I'm probably this guy, right? I'd like to be this guy. I'll tell people I'm this guy. (laughs) I'm probably this guy. That's probably me. And so what I've done is I've, I've taken this and I've tried to squeeze all the stuff into it so much so that now I just, I, I just don't have, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you and your needs. I don't have time to love my neighbor because I don't even have time to engage my neighbor. I, I, don't, I don't have time to really like disciple my kids. I'm so busy, too busy driving them to their activities. And then handing them off to someone else who can, you know, do good work with them. You see, I'm, 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 I'm coming at, at this from a deficit. So, but I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> I don't think I'm alone. And then I tell myself lies, right? Like I go, yeah, this is my capacity now. But when they get out of the house, it's their fault. Okay? Or it's that job's fault, wherever it went. It's too big. A day's going to come where I can shrink it. Or I just, I just need somebody like, that maybe I can pay. You see, because my capacity is only this because I got this job, and this job gives me enough stuff. The job's gives me enough stuff that I can pay somebody to clean up all my messes. I tell myself that lie all the time. Of course, I don't have that money, so it doesn't <laughs> matter, right? But it's, it's, it's a lie that I tell myself. Actually, the current one I'm telling myself, and I, I think I referenced this recently as well, but like one of these kids is just going to need to get rich to clean up all my messes and then I can have all the capacity I want to do what I want, right? But, but we just, we sort of feel like we need space, okay? So where do we go for help, okay? That's an easy one. Where do we go for help? We look to the scriptures, right? So let's take a look at a couple more passages, okay? And a couple principles from the scriptures. The first principle that we're going to see is this. Okay? And we're going to turn to the, to the book of uh, James in just a second. But the first we see is this. And this is, a, this is a, a reality that's right in line with the author of Ecclesiastes. The author of James says pretty much the same thing, that time is short. Okay? Time is short. Look at what he says in James chapter 4. He says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Sounds like James was, had a heavy dose of the author of Ecclesiastes in their thinking, right? This, is, this isn't like one of those, this isn't good news, okay? Um, and we're going to get into these practical places, um, like I said, in just a couple of weeks, and over the next three weeks, we're going to get into some very practical places on work and rest and other things. But but I, I wanted to share here. Like this is this idea is something that um, on one hand I sort of like to push aside. Okay, that even in like middle life, I'm 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 sort of middle life is called middle life for a reason. Okay, and and I'm I'm sort of w- dealing with these realities, and and some of you have dealt with them much better than I am dealing with them. But these realities that my time with with my kids in my home i've i've so tried to cram other stuff into our lives that i haven't really negotiated this well right and soon they'll be gone you see it's a reality whether we it's 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 not one of those like fun things that we giggle about but it's a reality our time is short it's short. If you want to see a grown man cry, first off, you're a sicko. Um, <laughs> but second, you should watch a lonely guy movie with me. Like one of those movies where like some guy has gotten to the end of his life and he's alone, <laughs> probably through choices of his own that, as the movie, if it's a good movie, it un- unravels all these choices he's made that have left him alone. There's a whole, it's like a whole genre, okay? I've got dozens I can share with you if you don't know what I'm talking about. Don't go there unless you're ready. Um, but those things hit me. They hit me in the, like a place, right? Because there is this reality, whether I want to admit it or not, that today's the only day we get. That's it. We don't, we don't get today again. Tomorrow, the trick is, and see, this is the lie, the trick is that tomorrow might feel kind of like today, And so we get lulled to sleep into thinking that all the days are just going to keep coming and going and they're never going to come to an end. But the reality is, our life is like a mist. It's here one minute and gone the next. Students, you're already more than 10% finished with whatever school year it is that you're in. Like, it's 10% gone. And it feels like, right, like it just started. It's all out ahead of me. Don't forget about the 90%. You've already done 10%, right? You can't get that 10% back. One of the things the scriptures tells us is that our time is short. We only get we get, only get so much of it, okay. And I think we have to come to terms with that reality. We've got to come to terms with that reality. The second thing, and this is related, is that we use our capacity for the things that matter most. This seems obvious, right? It seems obvious, but if we never stop to think about it, we're going to fill our capacity with all kinds of stuff that really doesn't matter. This is, this is the next little section in James. The very next verse is after your life is but a mist, and, and you say you're going to go do this. But Lewis says, verse 15, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Did you, did you catch the context? I put these side by side because here's the deal. What the author of James is saying is you, we're, we're working so hard to try and make something of ourselves. We're going to go and do this thing. I'm going to take on the world. I'm going to conquer, right? But if we, if we don't acknowledge, if we never consider that what's, what, what we're putting into our, or what we're what expending we're our capacity on, what's, what's occupying our capacity, if we never bother really stopping to think, does this belong there? Does this belong there? Do all of these, what, what, what needs to go in? If we never reflect, the enemy wins, right? The enemy wins. See, the world around us is trying to get us to just, to just, to just not think about where we're spending our time and energy and, and where we're putting our capacity. It, it, the world around us is just trying to get us, let's be honest, as Americans, trying to get us to consume, just consume. Your value to everyone else is your, is your ability to keep things moving economically for us. That's the system, the world around us. Our flesh. Our flesh says, I'm, I'm going to use my capacity for me. What can I do to use my energy to make my life more comfortable, to please my own desires? And the devil is doing anything to try and lie and manipulate to us to get us to a place where we just don't even think about it. We don't even think about it. It's why Lonely Guy movies are so powerful to me. Like every single one of them is somebody who got to the end of their life and looked back and went, "Why didn't I think about this sooner?" So a life. It's like a mist. And there's good that needs to be done. It ought to be done. What are we going to do with it? Paul writes in Ephesians, very similar Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't be foolish. Don't be be foolish. Don't be fooled into thinking that it doesn't matter what you do with your time and energy, it doesn't matter what you do with today. Today is yours. One of the greatest lies we've ever, been, we've ever believed is that somehow my time could be wasted. You can't waste my time because I don't really own it. It's not mine. It's God's gift to me. That I'm, I'm to steward the same way I, every resource he gives me. I'm supposed to use it for the good of his kingdom if I'm never asking the question, if I'm never stopping to reflect, if I don't think about my capacity and what I'm using in my life to accomplish what purposes, if I never stop, if I never reflect, we know what's going to happen. We will move towards selfishness. We will not move towards our neighbor. We will move towards, towards things that, that wind up actually harming our neighbor because I'm going to pursue my own ends at your expense. That's what I'm going to do. It's sin in me. I really don't have much of, another, of, of, of any other choice. And this is where we find ourselves. So let me close with just some questions. Okay? <clears throat> some questions. Can we be honest about how much we can hold? Can we do that? Can we be honest about the size of our capacity? Um, I don't, I don't, I, I can't even suppose to tell you yours. I can tell you that I, the large majority of my life, I've spent believing that I'm this, and acting and choosing like I'm this, and in reality, I'm probably this. Okay. But the first thing we ought to do, the first thing we ought to do is be honest about how much we can hold, okay? The second thing I would say is this, okay? Have we really thought about where our energy gets spent? Okay, it's, it's an exercise. See, here's the thing. You might say, well, I'm too busy to stop and really do the work of reflection. But it's too important. Please, cancel something. Call off a lot. Long- If you're meeting with somebody from Life, not in cell group. If you're meeting with somebody from LCC, shoot them an email or a text or something and say, "Hey, can we skip this week? I'm going to go sit down in a park for an hour. I'm going to think about my capacity. I'm going to think about where my energy resides. The last thing: what am I currently holding that needs to be replaced with something more valuable? So that's that's prep work for where we're headed. Because we, our tendencies, our tendency is to fill our capacity with things that just aren't that valuable, all right? Can can we take the time to assess and to sort of take stock of the the items that we've we've been spending our energy, our capacity on, so that over the next several weeks, over the next several weeks, as we hear what God has to say to us about issues that are, that are critical in our life there's no way around it work is important money is important they're critical in our life but we can we can enter into those from a place of already sort of sort of tilling the ground to get to a place where we're ready to hear we're ready to think we're ready to assess what is it in my life that i've got a really firm grasp on and i won't let go of but it's hogging my capacity it's, it's taking far more than it's giving. And it's, it's really keeping me from being able to, to express the love of God and to make movement for his kingdom. It's where we're headed. But the first thing we really want to do is stop and reflect. Okay? We need to do this in groups. If you're not in a group, it's a great week to jump in. It's a great week to jump in to talk about where are we Okay. Where are we? Let's pray. God, thanks again for a chance for us to be together. Um, God, I ask that as we, as we do reflect, as we do stop, I, I want to pray for uh, honesty with the voice of the Spirit. We know that you speak truth. We also know that there's an awful lot of things that we hear Things that uh, we tell ourselves that uh, that's, that's not true. Um, God help us to be to be able to see to see what is oftentimes so hidden from, from our own eyes about our own life. Um, and God help us not to walk this alone. I, I pray that we would engage others, that we would ask, that we would we would seek uh, counsel. Once we've, once we've reflected, once we've stopped, once we've asked, we, we would ask for other eyes to take a look at, at what we're spending in our life and, and, and how it's being used. So God, we give all this to you. We know that it's yours. Our giving it to you is really just a symbol of our, our uh, desire to be obedient. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.